Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, Chuck's Southern Covers Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I is Chicago! Welcome into the first post-All-Star break edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, we are now past all the All-Star fun in Tampa, all the yawns, all the, well, they weren't really thrills, so we're past that. Patrick Kane didn't do anything, the Central Division didn't do anything. Congratulations to the Pacific Division on winning a million bucks and Brock Besser for winning MVP, yada, yada. Okay, we talked about the All-Star game. Let's talk about the post-trade deadline. How's that sound? Sounds good to me because every year we have the All-Star conversation like, what would you think? Do you think it was exciting? No, I don't. I never do. It's not really even appointment television anymore. Um, There's nothing they can do to fix it. The world is just too... um, you know, there's too many other entertainment options. Back in the day when All-Star Games thrived, that was the days of limited channels. And, you know, there weren't a lot of things on TV to watch. There's too many other options for people to watch. The All-Star Game is not exciting. It's not 
you know, it doesn't mean anything. Like, great, I'm glad the players get money, and that makes them try a little bit harder, I think. But at the end of the day, we're all just going to have to accept that All-Star games are never, in the era of, of big contracts and salary caps and things like that, All-Star games are never going to be as competitive as they were in the 70s and 80s, and we just have to get over it and stop trying to fix it and just take it for what it is, a weekend of fun and an honor for the players that when their Hall of Fame arguments come up, you can say three-time, four-time, five-time All-Star. That's really, to me, what it means anymore. That's really it. The weekend, I'll watch the skills comp, watch a couple minutes of the game. Okay, cool, I get the idea. I'm good. I'm out. I just don't think we need to hem and haw and wring our hands about how to fix it anymore. I don't think it's fixable, and uh, I think we should just kind of enjoy it for what it is. Uh, speaking of skills competition, kudos to uh, Hillary Knight for completing the accuracy shooting, and I think it was like 13.3 seconds would have finished third among the players. I thought that was pretty awesome. So uh, aside from like what you said, the skills competition I think is generally pretty interesting. We almost went an entire hardest shot competition without a single shot over 100 miles an hour i know it would have been the first time since 2003 that nobody had broken the century mark and unfortunately that's the direction the nhl is going because it's becoming a smaller and faster league the era of the big hulking guy with the howitzer slap shot is going away and we're gonna start seeing those numbers just continue to decline and that's kind of sad because I always enjoyed watching Zdeno Chara do his Goliath thing and hammer a slap shot at 400 miles an hour. That was always fun. But I'll give Alex Ovechkin credit. At least he cracked 100, although I would argue they probably doctored the uh, speed gun a little bit. But that's a conspiracy theory for another day. We're not talking about the All-Star game and how having every team's game available to you every single night has kind of ruined the fun of seeing stars from across the country play. What we're going to move to is what the Blackhawks have to do coming out of the All-Star break, and we're going to start with Patrick Kane, the All-Star, the guy who went to Tampa and represented the team, made a comment while they were there. They have 33 games left this season, and Patrick Kane says that they need to go roughly 23-10 and 10 in those 33 games to make the playoffs. Now, for those of you who are counting at home, that would put the Blackhawks at 99 points. And last season, you had teams make the playoffs with 94. So that's about where you would expect that you have to be to firmly establish yourself as a playoff team. Now, Jay, the question I have for you, is Patrick Kane right in saying this team probably needs to get close to 100 points to get into the playoffs? And more importantly, is there any conceivable way the Blackhawks go 23-10 and 10 their last 33 games? Well, I don't mind that he's aiming high. Like you said, the numbers from last year, maybe you won't need exactly 99, but I think 99 is a safe estimate that if you get there, you're probably in. The difference this year is you've got the Jets and you've got the Avalanche playing well, and they're factors now, so it's going to be tougher to get in the playoffs. So I just, you know, it's not going to happen, man. I don't know how many... I can tie myself in knots and come up with a million scenarios about like, well, you know, if Corey Crawford comes back and Patrick Kane scores, you know, three goals a game for the rest of the season, blah, blah, blah. That all remains to be seen. It's not going to happen. It is so unlikely. There's nothing from about this team that indicates to me that they're going to go, you know, basically two for one wins to losses from here on out. That What have we seen? 
to say that's going to happen. And maybe if they're coming off a cup run last year and they're still, you know, one of the elite teams in the league and are just having some trouble. You know, if you look at sort of like last year's Cubs, right? You knew they had the talent, but there was just some sort of hangover situation occurring and you knew they would get hot at the end. I don't see that from this team. I don't see where it's coming from. I just don't. I mean, Patrick Kane is scoring at the clip we would expect. Sure, there's some games where he's held pointless, but there's other three, four-point games that are happening. Jonathan Taves got hot for a while, but has since slowed down. Brandon Saad has slowed down. It's just, if all these guys get hot at once, so if you get Taves back to prime scoring level, Saad back to prime scoring level, you know, Schmaltz and uh, Debrinket kind of maintaining where they were before the break, if all those things happen at once, then maybe... Maybe you can squeeze in, but all of that happening at once when there's been no evidence to indicate any of it's going to happen at all, to me, that's a huge stretch. I would agree with you, and I think that you hit on a couple of things that I wanted to get to in this uh, first segment, but before we do that, I wanted to kind of go back to what you were saying about can this team win two out of every three games down the stretch, and we're looking at a stretch where they just had eight of nine games at home at the United Center. And they had some bad teams roll through there during this stretch. And they couldn't do anything. They got a they got three, three points out of a possible 16 in that eight-game stretch at the United Center. That is insane. That is simply put, not good enough. That is a lottery team the way they played at home. They had their chance to kind of close this gap and to get closer to those teams. And I know they're still technically in it. And if a couple things break their way, they can maybe jump some teams. Yeah, your opportunity to make hay and to move forward in the standings was that eight games in nine at the UC stretch, and they completely failed to do it. And I don't think that Corey Crawford can save them. I don't think if they somehow you know, miraculously acquired a guy like Oliver Ekman Larson or Max Pacioretty, those guys, I don't think saved them either. They're at a point now where they basically are going to need every conceivable break to go their way. And they're going to need every single guy on this roster to get hot at once in order to even come close to doing that 23 and 10 that Kane says they need to do. And just looking at them, I don't think that they have it in them. Well, since this is our first post-All-Star break um, podcast, let's take a step back. Let's think back to our first couple podcasts of the season. And as frustrated and annoyed and disappointed as we are in the way this season has turned out, isn't it sort of exactly what we expected? We talked about how this year was going to be developmental. You wanted Q to play the kids. You wanted them to stick with the kids. You wanted them to learn on the job. With this year with sort of an eye to next year and the years beyond, that's exactly what it's been. So, yeah, it's disappointing that, boy, it seems like they're eliminated this early. I know, of course, they're not officially eliminated. You didn't think by January you'd be talking about next year already, but the outcome is going to be the same. Whether they squeeze into the playoffs or they miss completely, they're not going to win a round. There's no chance in hell this team's winning a round in the playoffs. Uh, you've gotten a lot of ice time Alex Dabrinkit's played what every game as far as I know I don't recall him being a scratch maybe once maybe twice but he's been playing Schmaltz has been playing. all the things that we wanted to happen this season for the kids has happened for the most part I- yeah ironically this year's team the way they've kind of struggled and they've had the uh, issues at the en- both ends of the ice in terms of their depth and then their defense 
we thought they were going to have these issues last year, and we talked about it all year long. We couldn't figure out how they weren't having those issues as they romped to the best record in the Western Conference and really flummoxed all of us because we couldn't figure out how they were doing it, how the voodoo was happening. Well, whatever magic they had weaved last year, it gone now. And it's exactly what we had thought was going to happen last year, just a year later. So maybe what we need to do is we need to start making some bold predictions about the rest of this year and then watch them come true next year. I guess that's just going to kind of be the way things are going to go. So Jay, I have to ask you then, if they're not going to make the playoffs this year, and we both agree it is a big-time stretch to say that they're going to, it's going to be extremely difficult, what do you do with the trade deadline then? Because if you're not going to go out and you're not going to acquire a guy like an Eric Branson or a Mike Green or whoever you're going to want to go out and acquire, do you become a seller? Like, what exactly do the Blackhawks do? I was on uh, Sports Sunday last night on NBC. Shameless plug, don't care. And they asked me that very question, and I ended up saying it. I see them making maybe a minor deal or two, kind of in the panic for Duclair kind of variety, where maybe you see a guy like Ryan Hartman get traded, or maybe a Tanner Caro gets moved, or Ville Polka. But in terms of anything substantive that's going to improve the team for the present, I don't really think that's going to happen. And I also don't think that their big-name contracts, your Duncan Keats, etc., those guys aren't getting moved at the deadline, too. Those are way more of an off-season type of move than what I think this team's actually going to pull off between now and March 3rd. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be small trades. Uh, I would be even be surprised if anything the size of the declare for panic deal happens. I'm just sort of looking at the team here on Cap Friendly, which is our go-to site for uh, Hawks Cap information. You've got Lance Boma, who's an unrestricted free agent. Patrick Sharp's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, you know, Thomas Yurko's restricted, Tommy Wingle's unrestricted. These are guys you can maybe get some picks for at the deadline. I'm not sure Patrick Sharp's going to want to go anywhere. I'm sure he'll finish the season as a Hawk, but Wingle's, Boma, uh, those are guys that you can probably look to move and maybe get a late round pick for or a prospect or something like that for teams looking to just sort of solidify their roster and build their depth headed into the playoffs. But you're not going to see any sort of franchise changing uh transactions or acquisitions at the de- at the deadline this year nor should you there's nothing like you said earlier getting Oliver Ekman Larson for a, a boatload of prospects or some talent on your team it doesn't really do much cuz it's not going to get you in the playoffs and yeah he's a really good defenseman and I like him but the eye needs to be on the future and if you're going to give away major pieces of this team you got to get younger. You've got to find guys that are going to be here for the next five, six, seven years and be part of that second group that takes them to their second window opening, I guess you would say. Because, I mean, look at the Detroit Red Wings. They had Steve Eiserman and Sergei Fedorov move on, right? They retired. But then you had Pavel Datsuk and Hendrik Zetterberg and those guys sort of bringing up the next generation. The Hawks need to find those two guys. Maybe it's Nick Schmaltz and maybe it's Alex Dabrinkit. I don't know. It's hard to say that they're going to be two Hall of Fame caliber players like Datsuk and Zetterberg are, but that's that's where the eye needs to be. It needs to be on three, four years down the road uh, at what at, at when this team is ready to legitimately contend again. Build your forwards, build your D, find yourself a goalie that can take over when Corey Crawford is done, whenever that may be, because uh, you got to start looking at revamping this thing and restarting the engine. Yeah, and I think that 
it's so much easier said than done to replace a Steve Eiserman type talent. Like it was kind of unbelievable the way the Red Wings ended up identifying Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. Like what was Datsuk like a seventh round pick? And I think like Zetterberg was like an undrafted free agent. Basically, it was just insane how they unearthed both of those guys. And that's, I mean, you can't really count. That's almost like luck on the part of Ken Holland. Like, yeah, there's some scouting involved there, but you're basically drawing lottery tickets at that point. Like, you're you're just kind of scratching around hoping that something works. And, yeah, the Blackhawks do need to focus on getting more of those lottery tickets. They need to focus on getting fourth, fifth-round picks. And I could see a scenario where maybe a Lance Boma kind of draws that kind of interest and gets kind of a – you know, Midland pick, it's like a Dale Weiss kind of return, you know, not really a ton, but like something that you give up that, you know, just to add them to your team, add some veteran presence. And there are some very young teams that have the potential to make the postseason this year, and they could definitely use a guy like him. So I can definitely see what you're talking about in terms of them adding those kinds of picks. I just, obviously, like you said, I still just do not see any scenario in which they add a piece that's going to be here beyond the next year or two. I just don't see it. I agree with you. All right, let's take our first time out of the podcast. We're a little bit behind here and we'll get back to more red hot Blackhawks conversation. I know this is not the most encouraging stuff we're talking about, but look, the thing, the things that we've discussed, they're positive to bring it schmaltz Ruda to a lesser extent, even though Forsling's down in Rockford, you know, they still have high hopes that he's going to develop into something, and they're not the only ones. Around the league, he's got some respect. So there is there is a glimmer of hope down the road. You just need these guys to develop. So don't bail. You know what I mean? It's not, it feels crappy right now, and it feels like a huge disappointment. But Stan Bowman has shown a knack for finding talent. Look, he did it with Artemi Panarin. How many of us heard of Artemi Panarin, um, you know, before the weeks leading up to his signing happened? You know, these the talent's out there. Bowman's got the resources to find them, so um, it may not be as far away as it seems right now. That's all I'm saying. All right, want to thank our friends at Triple Threat Sports. We mentioned it last week, but they did an awesome job making all 50 of the people that came to our Chicago Wolves event look sharp in their new shirts. We appreciate it. That's the place to go. If you need a shirt, if you need a jersey for your team, for your business, for whatever, Triple Threat Sports is going to do an awesome job. You're going to look top-notch, so check them out triplethreadsports.com not only can they do stuff for your team your logo your equipment whatever they can also hook you up with professional looking nhl jerseys nfl jerseys i was in the warehouse last week picking up our shirts and it's just rack after rack after rack of professional sports jerseys just waiting to be lettered waiting to be numbered so check out triple threat sports give chris a call 708-478-6090 or email him at chris at triplethreadsports.com Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot about how the Blackhawks are probably going to end up standing relatively pat at the trade deadline. No real changes coming from that. But one real change that could be coming down the pipe involves goaltender Corey Crawford, who has, I do not believe, started practicing yet, but he's at least been around the team lately as he continues to deal with an upper body injury that multiple reports, including from our own Jay Zawoski, have indicated is some type of vertigo issue. So 
Corey, there was talk before the All-Star break that Crawford might end up going on the current road trip. The Blackhawks are going to be on starting tomorrow night in Nashville. But Mark Potash has an update from Joel Quenville, and Jay can share that with you now. Yeah, Mark Potash from the Sun-Times, quoting Joel Quenville, who spoke after today's practice, says he is uh, he will not make the road trip, but Quenville is, quote, optimistic that Crawford will play again this season. Q says he's showing all the signs he's going to be helpful for us at some point so it looks like they still expect him to come back i don't know if this was just a delay tactic or whatever because i know before the break they were saying that maybe Corey would join them on the road trip and then you know get some workout and not play but practice with the team get on the ice a little bit looks like that play plan has been delayed a little bit but they still at least from everything they're saying look like they expect to get crawford back soon and quenville is not a guy that's guessing He's coming from a place of knowledge, and he may try to deflect or steer you away from the truth, but I think if they expect, if they did not expect him back this year, Q would continue with his sort of vague uh, <laughs> non-answer answers, and he's being pretty definitive that they think he'll be back. So we'll see. Well, I mean, you just have no idea, especially if it really is vertigo. Like, you have no idea whether he could have a relapse of that or whatever. And I, I think we can all agree that when he's healthy – and, and that was the case this year and has been the case for several seasons. When he's healthy, Corey Crawford is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL and has been a really key member of this team for many years now. And I would argue this season he had been their most valuable player before he had gotten hurt. So I don't think there's I, any argument about it. That, I mean, yeah. he was he was winning games. And we had Eddie Olchek on with Spiegel and Parkins last week, and he said the same thing about last year. I think Eddie O said he counted what 15 goalie wins last season. And and I and I wonder if maybe that's a little bit inflated. Obviously, maybe. there's a lot of different ways you can define that, but there is no question to me that Crawford has been a savior of sorts for this team. Like he easily could have won the Conn Smythe in 2013. He was a Vesna candidate this year if he had managed to stay healthy. So Obviously, losing Crawford has been a big kind of downer for this team. And I would point out that, obviously, they're not in a playoff position right now. I mean, Crawford coming back, it's not going to be like the single thing that kind of lifts them back up. But I got to tell you, that would be a big-time boost, I think, for the team, just even mentally, to have him back there, you know, in that. And maybe maybe we're underselling just how much of an impact there would be there. But... Well, no, James, I think you're right. And here's something you don't think of. Uh, I never played hockey at a high level. I played football through high school. And there was a different feeling when the starting quarterback was in versus when the backup quarterback was in, right? You just have a feeling of more faith. You have a feeling that things are going to go right. You don't have that sort of flicker of doubt in the back of your mind. And even though I think for the most part, Forsberg and Glass have held up their end of the bargain. They've been okay. They've not been the reason they're not winning games, right? But I think players, if they know number 50 is behind them, right? If Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, all those guys know that, all the forwards know that Corey Crawford's back there, maybe they're a little less, you know, that little flicker of doubt would that they have with Glass and with Forsberg. They say, mm, maybe I can't make this pinch. Even if they make the pinch, right? That little second of hesitation can cost them. And it's a subconscious thing, but I'm telling you it matters. You and I talk about the human element of sports all the time on this podcast. We are not slaves to numbers and slaves to math because it's not realistic. These guys do know. Look, 
Duncan Keith, I'm going to take a shot here because I know that if I if I take a chance, chances are if there's a scoring chance the other way, Corey's going to stop it, right? Maybe he doesn't have that feeling with Forsberg and Glass, and it does change the way you play, even if it's subconscious, even if it's, yeah. like I said, a flicker of a second. Those things, especially in hockey, those split-second decisions make such a difference. And if they're having any sort of hesitation, be it conscious or subconscious, it does matter. And I think having Corey Crawford back there, even if it's for, like you said, the mentality of the team, it would be a, it would be a boost. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that front. Just I, I know it would be a boost. And if we're talking about statistics, I mean, I think I had told you this before that – the team had over a 900 save percentage, even without Corey Crawford. So it's not like Anton Forsberg and Jeff Glass have been awful. It's not like they've been just scum of the earth. This is why the team's losing, yada, yada. That, obviously, you cannot make that argument statistically. But there is a different mentality when Corey Crawford is in net. And like you said, you play with a little bit more freedom, maybe. Things open up a little bit. Duncan Keith finally scores after having forgotten how to do so for 10 months. I mean, it, you, you definitely can see that. But I also think that banking on that to be the thing that kind of breaks the camel's back here and gets this team going the right direction, probably not the right way to look at it. I think ultimately it's going to be a positive when he comes back. It's going to be good to see him back on the ice after dealing with whatever it is he's been dealing with. And I think that's what I'll choose to focus on is just kind of the positive element of he's healthy and he's playing hockey again. That would make me quite happy. Yes, I totally agree with you. That, and plus, just having the, like the ghost of what is happening with him, you know, in the back of your mind as a teammate or as guys like you and I who talk about the team for a living, just that guy. I just, I, we, you just kind of want him back, just so you know, just so you know he's coming back. If mm-hmm. that makes any sort of sense, it's one less thing to worry about. And I'm sure the guys in the locker room feel the same way. They're being asked about Corey every day. Right now, it's the top story of the season. Because, like we talked about earlier, everyone knows it's not going to be a playoff team, barring a miracle. So the only story is, how is Corey Crawford? What does this mean for him this year and beyond? And that's become the story for everybody. Taves is being asked about it. Keith is being asked about it. Kane's being asked about it all the time. That that weighs on these guys. And I think having them back, if nothing else, just kind of can recalibrate their brains a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping for the best. I'm hoping he can come back and, and return to the level of hockey we saw him play out this year early and last because, like you said, he was one of the best goalies in the game. I've said that for a long time, but especially the last two seasons, he's really proven it, and there's really no one that can deny it anymore. Completely correct. And since we're, we've been talking about the playoffs so much and just kind of where the Blackhawks fit into the whole grand scheme of things, I thought I would take the opportunity to kind of start transitioning a little bit to – more big picture stuff that isn't just about how the Blackhawks are going to do this season. I wanted to start with something interesting that kind of came out of the all-star break, which was talk amongst the players about changing the format of the postseason again. Now, I know we've talked a lot about this and I've been a supporter of the idea of trying to kind of get uh, in division rivalries kind of going with this format. And I kind of like that idea But there's been sort of a backlash by players who don't think that the current system is necessarily fair. And I think it was Barry Trotz, the coach of the Washington Capitals, brought up that he didn't think it was appropriate for the Capitals to have to play the Penguins, the second best team in the NHL in the second round last season. 
It's a fair I, criticism. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you're going to have to play them eventually, but you'd probably think that it should be in the conference final, not in, you know, the second round. And other players like Brent Burns suggested maybe having it just be a straight 16-team uh, playoff, a race conferences, a race division, all that. And I think that's a really interesting idea because then it could mean – you know, a matchup like, say, Vegas and Toronto in the first round of the postseason. How awesome would that be? I like, would love that. And you know what's funny? That Sorry to interrupt you, James, but what's cool about that is it's Brent Burns saying it. So someone, the first argument's going to be, well, you know, travel, right? That's going to be the first argument anyone makes against that. But if you have a guy from the San Jose Sharks, a team that has to travel more than pretty much anyone in the league aside from Vancouver, saying that he likes that idea, I think that'd be awesome. I think it's highly unlikely but I think it would be awesome. But Trotz definitely has a point. And I don't know, even when, when this started, we discussed what the real impact would be mm-hmm. on rivalries. We've got to stop feeling like rivalries are, are based on geography. They're not anymore. I mean, it's part of it, and it helps. But, like, the reason the Bears and Packers are rivals is because they've been in the NFC Central or North for their entire existence. It doesn't have to do with they're Wisconsin and we're Illinois. No. What was the biggest rivalry in hockey? five six years ago hawks and canucks they couldn't be further apart how about colorado and detroit right yeah they're much bigger rivals than the hawks and wings or the rangers and penguins or whatever you want to say what 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 breeds rivalries is familiarity is playing each other time after time after time and you can't really manufacture that right i I don't think the hawks and wild have become bitter rivals because the series have never really been close I think the Wild would contest that. They probably look at the Hawks as a rival, while Chicago doesn't look at them that way. Exactly. And I don't think Hawks fans look at them as any more of a rival today than they did five, six years ago in the old format. So I I do think it's a little bit unfair to the Caps and Penguins. It's unfair for the Penguins, too, even though they won, that they had to play the Washington Capitals in the second round. Right. Hmm. I'm willing to discuss a change for sure. I like the idea. The idea is cool. It's a forward-thinking thing. I like that they tried something new. They tried something different. I don't think it's yep. broken no. by any means, but it is a little bit unfair to have to draw the short straw that way. I, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it in keeping with the two wild card teams. Mm-hmm. But maybe you just reseed. I don't know. There's got to be a way. I, but. Well, I mean, that's what they did beforehand, and uh, people were complaining that was you know confusing and whatever too. So I don't know. Like I. To me, I think the ultimate scenario would be what Brent kind of hinted at there, the one through six, the one versus 16, two through 15. I know that would probably minimize the number of upsets a little bit, but it could also bring out some incredibly good series against teams that are really interesting to watch. And I think it'll be really, it's going to be fascinating to see if the NHL is serious about having Seattle come into the league. It's going to be very interesting to see how they realign this and whether or not they take these kinds of suggestions into account when they're redoing the playoffs. Well, and having another team that far out west is going to be, that's going to just intensify the travel argument. So I think Brent Burns' idea, as much as I love it, it would just say, all right, the 16 best teams are in, go, right? That'd be awesome. I just think the way it is now, and the way the league looks at it and the way the Red Wings, quite frankly, bitched about having to travel all the time when they were in the wah, Western Conference. Wah. I know, but for every player that loves that, you've got teams and owners and things like that that hate it. So 
I would love to see it happen. I think it's far fetched, but I don't know. They've surprised me before. Who knows? I mean, you get you get a day off between you know games one and two of the series, and then you get a day or two off between games two and three. I think the travel argument. You can just go look like. Build in an extra travel day or two if you want to, but screw it. Like, you're flying on a plane, you know, at night. You have plenty of time to kind of deal with it. And guess what? Both teams have to take those flights. So Sure. You could also tra- do The travel like a, affects them equally. You could do a 3-3-1 three, three, sort of a situation. All these things can be kind of negotiated. I, th- I know I that's thought, not I ideal. I thought 2-3-2. But... Two, two. That was the first thing that came to my mind, was to do a 2-3-2 two, two format instead of 2-2-1-1-1. Two, two, one, one, one. That would certainly ease the burden of travel. Yep. I like that idea. You're hired. You're the commissioner. All right, let's Woo-hoo! take another time out. Good stuff there, James. Look at you. You're so prepared today. I love it. <laughs> it just warms my heart. James with a day off just cranking out topics. I love it. Yeah. All right. We told you about our friends at Triple Threat. Now it's time to tell you about our good buddies at Marishka's in Crest Hill, the ultimate destination for poor boy sandwiches, for steaks, chopped seafood, craft beer, whatever you want. Marishka's is like an old-time supper club. If you've listened to this podcast before, you know all about it. But we've been getting a lot of emails from new listeners lately, so I want to fill them in. Crest Hill, out by Joliet, 604 Theodore Street. Marishka's is an institution out that way. They are famous, like I said, for their poor boy sandwiches. That's what you should get the first time you go. But everything there is outstanding. Everything there is made fresh on the premises. Everything is legit. This place has been around for a long, long time, and it shows... It is handled and managed by a family that loves the business and takes great care of it. So go check out Marishka's 604 Theodore Street, marishkas.com, or check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash marishkas, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So you are good to go if you've got a craving for a poor boy or anything else made super fresh and with tons of love. You'll find it at Marishka's. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking a lot about the Blackhawks' chances in the second half of the season. We've done a little bit of play commissioner, which I always love to do. I always love trying to come up with those ideas. But now we're going to talk about something that really does hit a little bit closer to home for the Blackhawks. Something that happened in another sport today that could have an impact on the rest of the sporting world. For those who have not seen, the Cleveland Indians have announced that they are going to be getting rid of their Chief Wahoo logo beginning in 2019, but they will retain the franchise name of the Indians, which, by the way, come on, you've got to become the Cleveland Spiders. That is an incredible name that's just sitting there waiting for somebody to come to it, and I'm encouraging Cleveland to do that because that would be awesome. Anyway... All right, well, I saw that mentioned earlier. What am, I don't know that reference. What is the Cleveland Spiders? That was their original name. Oh, okay. The, okay, I didn't know that. Um, it was I was going to say it should be the Cleveland Steamers, but I don't <laughs> think that's going to sell. Um, they, I, It was either their original name or it was a National League team that played in Cleveland called the Spiders way back in the early 20th century. And I just think it would be awesome if they you know, kind of did that homage to the past and they grabbed that name and used it. And think of all... Like, seriously, how many teams are there that are called the Spiders? I feel like if you're going to pick a new name, it's like, why Richmond, not make it something the new? The Richmond Spiders. That's it. I know that from the NCAA football games. Yep, that's it, man. <laughs> and I'm yeah. telling you, like, spiders are feared. Can you imagine how cool a spider mascot would look? I'm all about this. Anyway, 
I'm past that. You are all. You're passionate about the spiders. More, more importantly, to this podcast, yes. which by the way talks about hockey, not baseball. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I think this might. This is only going to intensify the the criticism of the Blackhawks for their use of Native American imagery. And I definitely think that this is merely kind of the first salvo in terms of professional sports leagues starting to move away from that imagery. I You get the sense that maybe the Braves will stop doing the tomahawk chop at some point. You get the sense that maybe when Daniel Snyder sells the team or dies, the Redskins will get rid of their nickname. The Blackhawks, I think, ultimately are going to get rid of the Indian head at some point, although I would argue they'll probably end up keeping the name. So, I, well, yeah, I mean, it's just, someone it's brought up today. Yeah, I was discussing this on Twitter today, and someone brought up how the Waterloo Blackhawks uh, minor league team had the same uniform as the Hawks. They kept their name, and they changed the logo just to a Black Hawk. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They still got to play hockey. Like, <laughs> the world didn't end. It's okay, and people all remember fondly, you know, the Blackhawks-like logo, and it's part of their history. Just like North Dakota, they got rid of the Fighting Sioux, and guess what? They still get to play hockey. They still get to compete. The history is not gone. The championships aren't removed, right? The old logo is still the old logo. If you want to look at it, you can just Google it. You can pull out your old jersey, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, the time is coming. And I'm not going to say that the Hawks – logo and the indians logo are anywhere really near close i think the indians logo is very clearly offensive it's over exaggerated it is red like fire engine red with a big nose and big teeth it's it's a caricature a hurtful caricature of a native american the blackhawks one while still a cartoon i guess for lack of a better word is not done in any sort of disparaging way there's no dramatic you know features or anything like that the feathers are there and all that stuff but let me tell you whenever this comes and it will come to the hawks maybe it's today maybe it's five years from now maybe it's 30 years from now whenever it comes i promise you they're already ready for it (laughs) if you don't think john mcdonough has a file full of alternative logos in his desk you're kidding yourself this has been thought of and it's they're ready for it. it it's going to come it's going to happen and just like we all knew what happened today when the indians logo was uh taken away however you want to say it there were a lot of angry people about it mm-hmm. that's a tradition i grew up with it it's not hurting anyone this native american guy says he doesn't have a problem with it what's next do we censor everything look 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 look, look. here's the deal ask yourself why it's so important to you if you're going to be upset that people are upset about it why are you so upset that it's leaving right yes you don't like things to change that you like i love the blackhawks logo it's the best in sports it's all over my house i've got pictures of the hawks teams i've got signed i'm looking at it right now a signed photograph of bob probert in that jersey i've got six of the jerseys in my closet i love it part of the reason i was attracted to the blackhawks was because of the logo but it's not about me it's not about white-ass Jay Zawoski from Homewood, Illinois. It's just not. And you need to understand that just because you don't like something or you don't want something to go away that you feel good about doesn't mean that other people feel the same way. And if it's hurtful to people, then it should go away, and that's the bottom line. That's the end of it. Yeah. I don't think there's much discussion to be had. I'm sorry. 
the only thing I have left to add to this is if you wear a headdress to the United Center and you're not Native American, I reserve the right to smack you with something. Um, we will move. I'm smacking you with my nachos, my friend. I will smack you with something. That that crap drives me insane when guys show up in war paint and all that. It's like, oh, gee, that's so great. Cultural appropriation. My I'm favorite, doing it with respect. My favorite thing at sporting events. Anyway, I am moving beyond that because I'm just going to start getting irritated talking about that. So, no, oh, yeah, Let's give them the email address to send their hate mail to. It's getbent at AOL.com. Exactly. Thank you. Um, <laughs> The other thing we wanted to mention before we got to the emails is we wanted to uh, discuss a player who has been a nemesis of the Blackhawks at times and has been a nemesis of hairstylists everywhere for most of his career. Yarmir Yager cleared way. Before we do that, oh. I, I'm sorry. I just got some breaking news. It's not hockey. Well, it's kind of hockey related. Let's hear it. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, Chris Hubble, our guy from Triple Threat Sports, was dealing with esophageal cancer. Really bad. It was a horrible, horrible process for him. Chris just put on Facebook, best email ever, quote, the biopsy from the EGD last Thursday was benign, no cancer, just inflammation. So, Chris, congratulations. We were pulling for you, as you know, and very happy that you have cleared this hurdle. And he says, guess who's having a beer tonight? I'm going to guess he meant himself. Probably. I'm going to have one for you, too, pal. (laughs) Glad you're doing better, and uh, I know it's just going to keep getting better from here on out, so proud of you and proud of how you handled it and uh, we're proud to be associated with you yep. quite frankly. Indeed, indeed we are chris and i'm glad that you have di- you have not uh, gotten wise to the fact that we suck thank thank you for continuing eh. to support us i think he knows <laughs> um but anyway speaking of guys who don't suck yarmir yager has had quite a good career it appears it might be coming to an end and jay you wanted to bring this topic up today. I had a nice outline, did not include Yager originally because I hadn't seen that news yet. So I'm giving you the proverbial floor, my friend. Talk about Yarmir Yager. Yarmir Yager officially waived, well, waived by the Calgary Flames and then sent today to Klondo of the Czech League. So he is out of the NHL officially. Uh, it seems pretty unlikely at this point that he'll be back. It took him till pretty much... I think it was during the preseason, actually, where he signed with Calgary or maybe even later than that uh, and just was not the same guy. I don't think his heart was in it in Calgary. Um, so unless the Penguins want to bring him back next season for something, I think Yarmir Yager is probably done playing in the NHL. And I hope that fans – I know there's a lot of people that jumped on late in Yager's career, um, you know, when the Hawks got good. And, frankly, there was no reason to watch the Hawks when they sucked. Um, Yarmir Yager is – one of the most insane hockey talents ever. I mean, the guy that could stick handle in a phone booth, despite being enormous. Marion Hosa, think about Yager is like Hosa on steroids. Okay, so the best you've seen from Marion Hosa, take that and multiply it. And that's what Yaramir Yager was in his prime. And he was always sort of in the shadow of Sidney Cros- Crosby, Jesus, of wow. Mario Lemieux when he was in Pittsburgh. But Yarmer Yager is one of the best players in the history of this game, and I hope that fans that were sort of late on board got to see and got to see some moments from Yarmer Yager. If not, just Google, you know, 1990s Yarmer Yager highlights. You'll be blown away. The guy was absolutely incredible. And one thing I like about him is he was sort of unapologetically himself from day one when he entered the league to the day he left today. He was unapologetically Yager and. It's funny how the guy doesn't change, 
but the story around him does. Early in his career, he was considered very aloof, kind of not really a problem, but, you know, not a guy that was the most gregarious, not the most team-oriented guy. That was sort of the opinion of him. Then as he moved on, he was brash, he was cocky, maybe he was a bad teammate, right? Then (laughs) he left for Russia for a while, and people were like, how would this guy leave the NHL? He's in the top of his game. How dare he? How dare he disrespect the sport? Then he comes back, and he's... Then now people are starting to appreciate him, and they're glad he's back, right? And and it's, oh, okay, the appreciation is starting. Now for the last three, four years, it's been a celebration of this dude. And I'll tell you, while we have all changed around him, Yarmir Yager has never changed the way he is. And I just think it's really cool to see that come full circle to now, finally, over the last three, four years, he's become recognized for being the character he is for being the star he was and for being as important to the game as he was Yarmir Yager is as cool of a hockey player as there will ever be and uh you know I hope he's going out on his own terms I hope that he's uh happy with how things are going right now because that dead dude deserves all of our respect as a hockey player uh and I and I'm I think the league is worse without him in it that's just my opinion I, I agree with everything you have said just now. Um, I feel like every time Yarbier Yager comes up on this podcast, we are forced to mention two different things. One, he ended up finishing just 56 games behind Gordy Howe for the most games played in NHL history, had 1,711 games played in his career. And the other thing we have to mention is he finishes with 1,914 points which is only 49 behind Wayne Gretzky's career assist total of 1963. <laughs> you almost made it, Yogs. <laughs> I just, I love, that is like my favorite hockey statistic ever. Yarmir Yager, the second leading scorer in NHL history, had 49 fewer points than Wayne Gretzky had assists in his career. Just Well, insane. I want to take a look at it here. I mean, I'm going to look at his career. And it doesn't, damn it, Hockey Reference does not have his KHL years. When did he leave? Okay, let me see. Sorry, I'm doing this live on the air. I know it's not. Okay, so he left in two, I know. He left after 2008 to play in Russia, came back in 2011. Uh, When he left, he was coming off a season of 30 goals and 66 assists. Then the following year, 25 goals, 46 assists. Still near the top of his game. His best seasons, uh, 98-99 in Pittsburgh, 83 assists, 127 points. Uh, he scored 50 goals in his career once, twice, three, three times, 50 goals or more. The guy is is outstanding. This Obviously, being the second-leading scorer of all time means something, but had he not left for Russia, he would he would have eliminated my favorite stat in hockey, that Wayne Gretzky is the leading <laughs> scorer, even if you take away all of his goals. Yep. God. <laughs> Maybe it was good that he left, so I still have my stat. Your favoriteest stat in the entire, entire world. That's the best. <laughs> All right, guess what it's time for, Jay? Emails? Yay! Let's do them. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien, Visit chuckscafe.com for specials, for locations, menus, all that good stuff. Chuck's is rolling out a new menu, and I, for one, cannot wait to try it out. I've not been there yet. I'm not previewing until I go. 
I don't want to see the new menu until I'm sitting down ready to eat. But I've been told it's outstanding. I can't wait to do it. I'm going to do it very soon. But you owe it to yourself to head on out to Chuck's, be it in Burbank or Darien. They've got the best barbecue, the best Mexican, the best Cajun, the best American pub food you want. If you want wings, fine. You want a burger? Great. It's going to be awesome. They've also got top-notch Mexican Cajun dishes. Chuck Pine, the chef at Chuck's, it's named after him, after all, uh, was a sous chef for Rick Bayless, who is a renowned Chicago Mexican food chef he learned all the tricks from rick and has perfected and in my opinion improved several of his recipes so go to chuck's cafe how about you're just thirsty you're just thirsty cool they've got a huge bar loaded with craft beer they've got the 120 beer club you try 120 different beers you get your plaque on the wall or a t-shirt and some sort of junk but chuck's is awesome go there it is one of our favorite places and uh, we've had several events there we're going to have more so check them out chuckscafe.com okay email time Look who's back. Gingenburger. I'm going to guess Gingenburger is back. The guilt trip worked. Well, kind of. He says, as you've probably noticed, I haven't been checking in as often, you, know, you think. To be honest, I've struggled to get emotionally invested with this team. However, I do have a question. With the Hawks' offensive struggles, would they have better off keep? Would they have been better off keeping Panarin? Mm. That's a good question. And when I talked about Brandon Saad coming back, I kept saying playoffs, playoffs, playoffs. Sod's going to be better in the playoffs. When you get to the playoffs, it'll be better with Sod. Well, <laughs> you've got to get to the playoffs first. And maybe if Artemi Panarin was here helping out the power play and scoring it a more consistent clip, they'd be closer to a playoff spot. That is very possible. I still think there are a lot of uh, elements to that trade that made sense for the Blackhawks, including length of the deal, style of play, yada, yada. But I think the important thing here, rather than to relitigate the Panarin for Saad trade again like we do seemingly every other podcast, I missed you, Gingenberger. I need you to email me more often because it makes it more fun. We, Despite all the crap we give you, we like you. All right? There, I said it. All right. I think that's fair. Mark B. says, on your next podcast. Mark hey, B. that's what? <laughs> Okay, could you confirm what happens to the Seabrook cap hit if he retires? Why, yes. Yes, I can. From the mouth of Cap Friendly, if Seabrook retires, the remainder of his contract would be off the books. However, it is extremely unlikely for a player to retire if he is still under contract. In the case of injured players like Horton, Nathan Horton, mm-hmm. even though they have retired, quote, due to injury, their cap hit and salary remain on the books. So Brent Seabrook would just have to walk away from the sport correct if if the hawks wanted to be relieved of his cap hit if they trade him it's gone there's no recapture there's nothing like that like there was with marion hosa if they trade brent seabrook they don't have to worry about it anymore but i think hoping for him to just be like you know what i'm done (laughs) i think that's pretty unlikely i I don't think that's highly unlikely dude walks away from like 35 million dollars i don't think that's gonna happen yeah uh, it's i would not count on that no. hopefully they can find a taker for him to play out the string of his career and maybe arizona or something like that hey, arizona trade us oliver ekman larson we'll trade you brent seabrook who says no throw richard panic back in yeah. so i can make dick panic jokes ah. still <laughs> shane crosby who is with us at the wolves event says weighing in on the power play a bit i could not agree more watching the wolves toy with the condors pk unit was impressive mm. Seeing the success in the power play in Chicago was nice, I have to admit. If you missed it, 
we discuss how simple the Wolves made the power play look. Pass puck around, do it quickly, get man in front, shoot, score goals. It's very simple. <laughs> uh, he says, well, I understand star players in the NHL wanting to make that highlight reel goal. At some point, even they have to realize it's not going to work. There are no extra points for style. That's really all I have, and I would like to see a more fundamental approach to the Hawks' power play. Take care, boys. Keep up the good work. Well, the problem is, Shane, and I think we may have mentioned this last week, is when you have guys that are sort of trying to make the highlight reel play anyway, even when the power play is working, when it's not working, they're really trying hard, right? They're really squeezing a stick. They think like, oh, my God, it's going to take a miracle for us to score. So let me just get this pass over there. And if it gets there, that's wide open. No, you got to just keep it simple and just flip the puck at the net. Just get it on a point. Just just knuckleball it. It'll hit a couple guys, land in the crease. You know, like the odds are pretty good. Not, I mean, they're not great. But here's the deal. You're not going to score if the puck never gets on net. That's that's about as basic as it gets. Right. I did post game after what the Toronto game last week, and they ran that high low play that ended up resulting in a power play goal, and they used it a couple times at even strength too, and it really seemed to take the Leafs off guard. They need more strategies like that. They need to move the puck in more creative ways rather than what they've been doing. Because then that'll open things up a little bit. And I completely agree with Shane that watching the Wolves just mess with the Condors, it brought a sense of satisfaction to my heart that I just haven't had in a while. Email here from Tony Zielinski. Says, hey guys, I just started listening to your podcast and it's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I've, I forwarded the info to, out to some uh, friends looking to keep up on the Hawks. That's very helpful, by the way. Tell friends. If you have friends that like hockey, tell them about our podcast. My question is about your discussion as to whether Seabrook would walk away from the remaining $42 million of his salary. I first agreed and said not a chance, but then I thought about James Wisniewski and uh, how he sort of walked away from the game because of concussions. Mm. Is the topic of CTE enough for him to rethink walking away earlier than he would have earlier in his career? Just a thought. Maybe. Maybe. But then he couldn't say it's because of injury, right? Right. Because then the Hawks would still be on the hook for the contract. So, hey. I... I don't know. I, honestly, I think the, I don't know I think the only many, real hope is trading him. How many how many guys really have come out publicly and said that's something that they worry about like during their careers? I feel like James Wisniewski is enough of an outlier to where I wouldn't think that that's something you're really going to be able to count on, I don't think. Yeah, that's it's unlikely. I it's going to have to be a trade. That's it. Our last email of the show comes from our buddy Salsa Shark. He says, at this point, I've written them off for the year, but I still think that all hope shouldn't be abandoned yet because they still have talent, and hockey is a, leird, is a little weird that way. It's very interesting if you look up Steve Eiserman's career numbers in comparison to Taves. Eiserman saw a significant decline in point production around age 30 and was still able to captain some of the best runs of those Wings teams after he started to decline offensively. What I'd like to see from here on out is a nuclear option every game. Kane and Taves together for the rest of the year, wins and losses, and matchups be damned. I know that's not Q's style, but we really haven't seen them together for an extended stretch since 08 or 09. Maybe Taves can find something, maybe not, but I feel like we need to see if Saad, Schmaltz, and some of these other guys can find their own way. Plus, a good three months of 19 and 88 together will be worth watching in a lost year. I'm on board with that. Why not? Damn, Salsa Shark, bringing the good stuff today, my friend. Yeah, what, I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Taves gets rejuvenated and the kids grow up without having to depend on uh, Taves or Kane to get him up. 
I'm not get him up. You know ah. what I mean, hockey-wise. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. I think that that would be very beneficial. But like you said, it's not Q's style, and he will uh, attack every game like it's its own thing. I think he's going to be the last guy to sort of acknowledge that this thing is lost this year. Probably. I think so. And he probably should be. Yeah, you know what? He's the coach. He He has to coach every game to win. Otherwise, he's not doing his job. Yeah. I don't know. Let's, I'd like to see that. I will forward this email to the Blackhawks. No, I, no. I will literally, I'm going to tweet <laughs> this at them after the podcast, Salsa Shark, and I will make sure that I credit you with the idea. All right. With that, James, who is the winner of the hockey card in Breakfast at Chuck's? We have restocked. We're ready to go. Who is the winner? We got to give it to Salsa Shark, right? You know what? I think so. You know, has he won before, though? I don't know. Here's the thing. If he has won before, I vote that we send him the hockey card, and then I vote we send Tony Zielinski the free breakfast. How does that sound? I like it. All right, Salsa Shark, you are the proud owner of a Bernie Nichols upper deck card, 1996 Bernie Nichols coming off a 51-point season in 48 games with the Blackhawks. Good old number 92 Bernie Nichols is coming your way. Send me your uh, address and all that good stuff. Tim? Tony. You're also getting a Tony, Steve, <laughs> Reggie. You're also getting a hockey card. I don't know what it is yet because I only pulled one for today, but I'll make sure it's a good one. And you're also going to Chuck's for their fine breakfast. So we'll get in touch with you soon, Tony. Thank you for emailing the show. Thank you for listening to the show. Thanks for telling your friends. He also said, can I get the site where I go to donate a couple bucks to help you guys keep the program going? No, Thank you didn't. for asking. No way. He did. Patreon. Guy. Yep. Patreon.com slash Madhouse Pod. If you'd like to do a small monthly increment, if you want to do a one time thing, the best option is to go to GoFundMe.com slash Madhouse Pod. That way you can donate 20, 30, 15, 10 bucks, whatever you want, and be done with it. Patreon. I support a lot of podcasts on there, including Wrigleyville Nation, which is a podcast that actually helped us get launched. Mm-hmm. I give them five bucks a month, every month. It just happens at the beginning of the month, every month, and I can count on it. That's very helpful, and that's where the bulk of our money comes from. And like we've said from day one when we launched these sites, all this money will be used to benefit the podcast, not to line our pockets. So know you're going to help yourselves uh, and not us. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I, 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 I agree with you, yes. All right, well, with that, thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. For my partner, James Naveau, I'm Jay Zawaski. We'll be back after tomorrow's game. Who's got pay, Who's got uh, post-game duties, James? You or me? Uh, yes. All right, cool. Yeah, we can do it together. That's fine. I got nothing going on. I don't I, think. I don't either. All right, cool. We'll talk to you tomorrow after the game. Until then, thanks for listening. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's, Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe, and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out to save. We'll talk to you next week or tomorrow on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. My name's Barry. I live right above you. I don't host parties. I host after parties. They're like parties, only louder and nobody goes home. You can see right here I ripped out all the carpeting because it was holding me back with my pogo stick. Man's got a pogo. Oh, I'm a prankster. I'll grease up a soda can and then when somebody grabs it, boom! Boom! <laughs> 
Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only.